This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. And yes, I am your host, Todd C. Slater. So what a week. How is that for a roller coaster on the stock market? Well, today we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, a lot financial. Uh, You know what? Real estate is always affected by the markets. More importantly, by the Bank of Canada. What did they do to the rate? And uh, later in the hour, I'm going to have mortgage specialist and broker Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. He is going to join us live here. And we're going to be talking about some interesting things about brokers. Have you ever heard of a bad broker or perhaps somebody getting you into a bad deal and you've been struggling with the interest rates and why did they give you the money in the first place? Well, later in the hour, I'm going to be talking to Dave Butler and we're going to get to the bottom of it. If you're going to hire a broker to get your financing, who can you trust in the industry? But let's step back for a minute. So for those of you that have all your investments in the stock market, Sorry about this week. Wow. You know what? Even though we've seen some, a little bit of fluctuation, maybe potentially we've hit bottom, but what a downturn at the beginning of the week, right up to the lead up of what the Bank of Canada decided to do. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been hearing the idea that perhaps the rate is going to go down. They were going to do an interest rate cut at the Bank of Canada. And for sure, you know what? In fact, they started taking percentages and You know, I don't know if they were running the odds in Vegas or not, but potentially we were supposed to get a rate cut on Wednesday. And as we were sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, and guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. For those of you that were watching this very carefully, and a lot of people were thinking, hey, listen, if the rates go down, that means that our mortgage rates have to go down. But that's not the case. When you're dealing with the actual banks, the banks have control of what the mortgage rates are. So it doesn't really matter if the rates had gone down. The majority of the banks were saying, we're not touching the rate. Now, there was the odd bank that was sitting there saying, yeah, we might reduce it by what they call 10 basis points. That's just point 0.1. So is that fair? You know, this is the problem that I think I'm starting to have right now is that a lot of the banks were complaining that, you know, their profit margins were going down, but yet 2015 was a record year for the banks. Seems like they make more and more money as we go along. And they're sitting there saying, hey, listen, we're going to raise the interest rates just because. Well, obviously there's more to it than that. But at the same time, you know, we've got to take a look at who is making all the money when it comes down to this sort of thing. Now, when we saw the double-digit increases in real estate in both the Toronto and the Vancouver market for 2015, obviously, you know, there was a lot of meat left on the bone for for most people when they're looking at interest rates. And so this is why we saw a little bit of that push on the upward number. RBC was the first one to announce that they went to that 3% interest rate for a five-year term mortgage at 25-year amortization. And you know what? Still, it seems like pretty cheap money. Now, if we take a look at the overall impression of the market, we still know that there are deals out there. In fact, your variable rate mortgages continue to you know, plot along. And this is where the prime number is the one that we take a look at. Because there's a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take the, the basic Bank of Canada rate and then they'll reduce it by a certain percentage. And this is what's going to give you your variable rate. Now, had the prime rate gone up, then your variable rate would have increased as well. So again, this is why a lot of people will continue to surf the variable rate. But the real question is, is will it go down? According to the Bank of Canada, they're going to wait to see what kind of budget that Mr. Trudeau is going to bring in. 
And something tells me that they're going to increase the spending a lot more than what we first thought. So it, does this have an adverse effect to real estate? Well, the numbers that came out actually recently, you know, after everybody got over patting themselves on the back for 2015 being the biggest year that we've ever seen, then now everybody's starting to look at it saying, okay, what can we do for 2016 as a follow-up? Right now, the Alberta market obviously is taking a hit. You know, we've got a lot of uh, unemployment happening. The oil is now down to just uh, unbelievable lows at this point. And so now we're starting to see the Alberta market that's starting to suffer. Now, if we have more and more properties come up for sale, everybody's trying to leave, that will then force the pricing down. So more supply and less demand creates the downturn in the market. Unlike, or, and not, not at all like, I should say, what we're feeling in Vancouver and Toronto. When we take a look at those two markets, again, supply and demand. We have a short supply, great demand, and this is why the Toronto market for 2016 will stay stable. But is it going to change much? I don't know. I think we're going to see four or five, maybe 6% increases. Again, that still makes a pretty good year. And I think that uh, for most people in Toronto area, they should still look at getting into the marketplace because the interest rates stay low enough at this point, And I think they're going to stay low for the year. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Simply Real Estate and I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. So it was an interesting week, as I'd mentioned earlier, because we've seen some incredible things happen in the stock market. Of course, we're watching the interest rates. Very, very important for a lot of people out there. But, you know, the one thing about interest rates, and I was on with Jerry, Jerry Agar this week, um, and actually as well as Michael Korn, and we were talking about interest rates. Does a fluctuation of 0.25 all of a sudden take people off the fence and say that they have to buy? Are people that fickle? So here's the thing. Will 0.25 motivate you to buy this year? If you could get an interest rate today for 2.5%, like let's say you're on the fence, could you or would you want to buy? You know, it's a good question you need to ask yourself. What will motivate you to buy? In most people's cases, it's the right home, or perhaps it's the growing family, or the change in job. It's not just the interest rate. Interest rates allow people to look at things more affordably, but ultimately in the end, when we start calculating the numbers, interest rates at 0.25 difference, or if it's even a half a percent, does not make things that much more affordable. So, I mean, if we're talking 6% to 3%, yes, but 2.75 to 2.5 isn't going to take everybody off the fence. And I think that this is one of the things that the public has a misperception, and so do the banks. So if the banks, you know, are trying to squeeze people out and squeeze them for that extra dollar, this is why they're starting to push the rates up around 3%, because they think it's not going to stall out the market. But as we heard this week, and one of the things that we need to focus on, all real estate markets are generated by first-time home buyers, and they are the ones that are watching the interest rate the closest. So if you're a first-time home buyer, does a quarter point make a big difference for you? It does, and there's some affordability there. If you're a million-dollar buyer, a quarter point should not matter because you should be coming in with enough equity. And again, don't forget, two weeks away, we're looking at the new changes to the CMHC rules, which means that everything over 500 to $1 million, and if you're trying to do the minimum down payment, you now have to come up with 10%. So that was the rule that came into effect back in December that they're going to implement this February. And come February, this is what we're going to be looking at. The fact is, if you buy something for $700,000 and you're trying to do the minimum down payment, your first 500 you have to put 5% down. But the next 200,000 of the price, you need to come up with 10% down, which means that the first 500, you've got $25,000 down, and then $20,000 
for the next 200, so a down payment minimum of $45,000. Now remember what's gonna happen there though. When you have that big a mortgage at that time, and we're talking basically then, looking at about a $645,000, sorry, $655,000 mortgage at, at the price of $700,000 as a purchase, your CMHC fee, so this is the insurance fee that's going to be attached to that, could be in the number of around $20,000, and that gets rolled into your mortgage. So you do lose part of that down payment. So the higher you go, the higher the interest charge is and the fee. So we got to keep these kind of things in mind when you're out there buying. So this is one of the things that we've got to focus on this year. How do we make things affordable? Where are we going to find things affordable? And how do we work with mortgages? It's going to be an interesting year for that. One of the other topics that I had to, had the, uh, I guess I'll call it the luxury because I, I, you know what, I love coming on the shows here. You know, I've got so many of the great hosts that'll bring me on to talk about real estate. And I was on with, uh, I was on with Jerry Agar uh, this week on Thursday, and we were talking about the latest thing that just came out with the school boards. So right now, the Toronto school boards or, or the basic GTA area is saying that about 25% of all schools are in total disrepair, meaning that they need a lot of work. Now, it's not unsafe for our children to be there, but they need a lot of renovations. And here's my problem with all of this. Last year in North York, there was a big kerfuffle because the school boards wanted to expropriate some people's land because they decided, hey, listen, we need to throw in another school. And I thought to myself, okay, why are you building more schools and expropriating people's land when you have perfectly good schools that have very little population in them that you could virtually take everybody out of renovate and turn in a brand new school without disturbing families. Did it make any sense? But you know what? They still went ahead and expropriated these people out of their townhomes. My comment, shame on you for doing it. It made no sense. You could have taken those dollars, those, those hard-earned tax dollars, and actually renovated one of the schools. And guess what, folks? That means we would have one more school not in that list of decrepit. So what should they be doing? So when I was on with Jerry, you know, and by the way, folks, if you really want to hear a great personality, tune into his show during the week because he is absolutely awesome and I love being on it. But the big thing that I found uh, when we ha were having this conversation, I was listening to everybody's, you know, input on this. You know, a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh, maybe we should lease it out to, to somebody, make them, you know, fix it up. We'll give it to them for next to nothing, but we'll lease it out. Well, that doesn't make any sense because that's not really solving the school issue problem. You know, if you lease it out to them for 20 years and you get it back, what kind of shape is, is it going to be after 20 years after somebody's done something to it? So here's my theory. And again, it's just a theory looking at the numbers is why not turn around and have some of the developers in Toronto actually buy them from us. But instead of giving us money, how about they turn around and they dedicate all the funds to fixing other schools? So while they're at it, they may as well renovate and actually put an addition on some of the schools. So we make them a little bit bigger. Again, we've got these massive plots of land that virtually are doing nothing. And when you have a third of the population that could handle that school, meaning if you've got a school that can handle, you know, a thousand kids and you've only got 300 in them, why are we bothering? Because it's really tough to fill those areas up. So in my opinion, let some of the developers make some offers to us. You know what? Don't keep putting our tax dollars, uh, you know, against renovations. Why not get somebody else to do it? Use the public money. When we come back from our break, I'm going to be joined by Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And we're going to be talking the whole gamut of mortgage brokerages. If you think about it, do you need a mortgage broker or should you go to one of the top five banks? When we come back, we'll be discussing that with Dave. So stay with us and we'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. 
Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. As I had promised just before the break, I've got Dave Butler. He is a mortgage broker joining me from Butler Mortgage. Uh, you know, years of experience. I'm pretty sure most of you have heard of Butler Mortgage. You know, they're a great uh, contributor here at News Talk 1010. And uh, one of the reasons why I want to bring on a mortgage specialist at this time, this juncture, is there's a lot of stuff flying around in the marketplace about mortgage brokers, you know, taking people to, you know, I guess, debt depths where they shouldn't be, you know, part of the downturn of the U.S. market, of course, the subprime market, all sorts of stuff that was going on. And I'd rather go to some of our leading experts and get their opinion on us. So joining us now is Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dave. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, there's lots for you and I to talk about today because, you know, it's been one hell of a week, uh, you know, in the world of sure. finance, mortgages, stocks. I mean, for, first and foremost, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do the little tease of, I hope you didn't have a lot of money in the stocks this week. <laughs> Thank the Lord I do not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you were following the roller coaster, but I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners, their stomachs hit bottom, you know, yeah. on, on Monday, Tuesday, and, and even part of Wednesday there. It was uh, it was some pretty scary stuff. That is. It's not fun to see that. Uh, is uh, is all reverberations that fall through all the different kind of financial markets. And uh, yeah, no, we, we had a lot of panicked calls from some of our clients just regarding their stocks and what they might be able to do to kind of get out of that and where should they be putting their money. Yeah, you know... It, it's an interesting avenue because a lot of people aren't aware that they can actually invest in both mortgage products or development products. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, this is where a lot of people can gain security. Um, oh, yeah. you know, what, what's your take on it? Well, I mean, my take on it is the reason why I don't have a lot of money in stocks, quite simply, is because I prefer to use my uh, RSP money uh, and lend that out in the private mortgage market. And what I mean by that is you can have a self-directed RSP and actually lend that money out into the private mortgage market, make your RSP money, and you don't have to pay taxes on it because you're increasing your RSP. Uh, obviously, we pay taxes when we take it out, but uh, <laughs> at the, you know, the goal is obviously to grow it up as much as possible and then, and then obviously take it out when you're not taking any taxable income from an employer. Right. Now, you know, you touched on something that uh, we, de we definitely have to chat about, and that's that private mortgage yep. money. And, you know, I know utilizing RSPs has been a, an avenue for a lot of people. When we talk about private, you know, mortgage money, we start thinking about interest rates. Yep. And, you know, there is the practical interest rates, which, yep. you know, are kind of industry norm. But then again, you know, we've got all sorts of situations that are happening out in the real market where people are getting, you know, these, these stress mortgage rates of, you know, 10, 12, 16, you know, 20%, just because they're so deep or they've got bad credit. What is out there for the public? I mean, you know, it gets pretty scary. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, the problem is, is that when you're involved in private lending is there's no real, you know, it, it, there's no real competition. And not only that, there's no real regulator that's sitting there like at a bank, you know, saying you can't do this, you can't do that. So what happens is you've got some of these crazy private lenders that are, truthfully, they're just looking out for their own benefit. Uh, and they're going and charging these clients that are in really tough situations, these abnormal interest rates that they shouldn't be paying. Now, with private money, they're certainly going to pay more than, let's say, they would get at a major bank. They're going to be paying a higher interest than they might even get at a B lender in a mortgage broker market. However, 
you know, I've seen, you know, second mortgages that can range as low as 8 and 9%. And then I've seen that crazy stuff that you're seeing where I'm looking at clients that have shown me documents they signed with a mortgage broker where it was 22%. Um, you know, that's the problem is that there's no one regulating that. So you kind of have to put your hope in that you're working with the right person. The best thing I can say for people that are in that situation and they feel like the interest rate that they're looking at is a little abnormal is to simply call around and get other quotes from other mortgage brokers. Obviously, they can call me and my guys and we'll give them. But, I mean, if they don't know us, let's say, or whatever the case may be, and it's always stuff, stuff like that you definitely want to get multiple quotes on because that's when you'll find, oh, that one guy was at 21%, this guy's at 12%, this guy's at 9%, and you kind of create your own options. But, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. When there's no one regulating the rates that are being sold in the private mortgage market, that's how you end up with, unfortunately, some people getting the really bad end of the stick where the investor or the mortgage broker is taking advantage of them. And that's not right. And that's why you know we prefer, hey, call us. We'll give you a real person's perspective on what you would likely be paying. Whether or not you use us or not, I'd much rather people have the information so that they don't find themselves and put, you know, putting them and their family in a tough spot. You are still part of a regulated industry as a lender. When you are sourcing your mortgages, you are using trust companies and banks. And so you are using, in most cases, a regulated channel. Yes. But when we start talking about these private lenders, a lot of times when people go to private lenders, it's normally because they've got bad credit. They've yep. got something that is not you know, looking correct. Or for that matter, they've got themselves into such a leveraged position. You know, They've got themselves so far stretched, but there's still a little bit of equity sitting on a property. Mm-hmm. And this is normally, and, and you know, I call them vultures because the guys that are dropping these you know, you know, third mortgages yep. you know, at these massive rates are normally the vultures that are sitting there. And, and they're just saying they're ready to pick you know, whatever flesh is left on the bone pretty yep. much. And normally it, that, that is secured by a fairly high, you know, a, initial fee, is it not? Yeah, there's the setup fees for some of these private mortgages are, are daunting. I mean, uh, I've seen lender fees all the way up to 5% of the mortgage amount. I've seen 8% of the mortgage amount. That's just the lender fee. That's not even the interest rate. So, you know, the, some of the stuff I've seen, you know, we, we, would, we would throw up at. You know, that's just the truth. I mean, it's, uh, I've seen really stuff that I'd cry at. I've seen stuff that, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for the client because it's a good second mortgage rate. But the truth is, yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. They are what you call them. They are vultures. They are trying to take whatever is left in that place and hope you don't pay. They'll take over the house. They'll sell it. And it's now not your house anymore. And you don't have anywhere to live. So no, the vulture is literally, you couldn't have coined a better term. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more with you about this whole vulture broker approach. And of course, I want to talk to you about the correct approach for people, what they should understand about a mortgage when they go to brokers, when they go to their banks, you know, just kind of the lay of the land, what, you know, a bit of a checklist that people should be watching out for. Folks, we're going to have Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage stay on the line. He's going to talk more about it. So when we return, we're going to try to answer more questions about what you need to look for when you're getting a mortgage. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. And yes, I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Hey folks, you know what? So far, it's been a very interesting show because we have been chatting about mortgage financing, all sorts of things that are out there. And again, after the roller coaster this week, 
in the financial section, you know what? We need a little bit of stability. And of course, we th- when we think of stability, we think of home. And when we think of our home, we think of our mortgage. Some of us get gray hairs from thinking about our mortgage. But a guy that can actually kind of cut through the red tape and give us the honest goods joined us earlier is Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And Dave, I know we've still got you on the line. So why don't we talk a little bit more about what we were talking about earlier are we going to see interest rates hike up this year? It's a tough call. I mean, a lot of us in this in this mortgage broker world, we've we've seen these rates where they are. Uh, we've seen where they were before. Uh, there's certainly, you know, a, an inclination that at some point they have to start to make their way back up. But when is the big question? Uh, we had a Bank of Canada meeting yesterday, obviously, where the finance minister kept rates the same, and he made a lot of hints. That, uh, you know, with the economy where it's at, they, they, one of the tools that they can use to kind of prep up the economy is going to be lowering of the, of the interest rates. So it's, it's really interesting because you've got one school of thought of mortgage guys that go, hey, you know, the rates have been this low for this long. It's very tough. They're going to have to somehow get back to a certain kind of, you know, normality level in the, maybe the, the fours and fives that they kind of were before. But then you've also got another school of thought that says, no way, this finance minister, he can't, you know, increase the rates. So we're going to see a very low variable, which basically means that the fixed rates aren't going to move that much. Um, is there going to be flex, you know, is there going to be movement in the fixed rates? Sure, because those are correlated to the bonds. But if the variable rate, you know, the Bank of Canada Prime does not change, there's not going to be that much movement. You're not going to see a sway, a humongous difference between the variable and the fixed. You're always going to see some difference, but it won't be massive. So if we know that the variable rate is not going to move very much this year, then we kind of know that fixed rates may stay in roughly the same neighborhood. Again, with a little bit of a, of a buffer up and down a little bit. Well, you know, one of the things that I think that uh, a lot of people weighed in on this week was the fact that even if the Bank of Canada had reduced the the rate by even a quarter of a point they were saying that most of the lenders weren't going to budge um you know of course of course rbc came out with the big announcement that hey listen you know what we're, we're not making enough money so this is why they they took everybody up to about 3.04 um you know we do know obviously in the in the out, outer marketplace there for sure dave we can look at rates between 2.5 and 3 percent for a five-year fixed absolutely variable rates are still exceptionally attractive um, but you know, when we, when we, when we do our analysis here and we start thinking about, you know, where is the economy going? I think we're going to be looking at this downturn in rate for a very long time. And the pro- also the problem is, is that we've got so much mortgage money out there at a lower rate. When we come time for renewal, um, I think the bank can is smart enough to say, Hey, listen, no matter what, you know, this could be a 10 to 15 year slog to get any major increases into the interest rates because we've just got so much money out that if we instantly turn around and jump it, you know, beyond people's capability, then we're not, we're, we're just going to co- collapse the entire market. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that, 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 what you're saying right there is, is definitely, you know, a possibility. And I think that's music to people's ears that are obviously looking at purchasing a home in the next little while. Uh, I think it would certainly be great to be know that you can buy a home and still get these nice low interest rates that are out there because as the prices are rising, it's nice to know that that's the offset, that we have much lower rates. But I'm, I'm in a million percent agreement with you. I think that the government has some serious 
uh, things they're going to have to be looking at. One being the renewal thing that you just touched upon. You got people that are be coming up for renewal, you know, over the next little while. Uh, it's going to be if they're sitting on a two percent interest rate, and all of a sudden when they come up for renewal, they're going to be at five percent. That's going to be a massive payment shock. And you're right, the government's got to do everything they can to avoid that. So it's a really tricky kind of slope as far as trying to predict these things. It's funny. I mean, I laugh because I, you know, for years and years and years, you know, used to try to predict these things. I sat in a meeting in Montreal, I believe it was 2009, I want to say. It was a massive mortgage broker conference. They had the head CIBC economist, Benjamin Tao, go up there in front of everyone. And the gentleman who, you know, Benjamin, who was speaking, basically told us all, as for a whole group of mortgage brokers, that the base, the interest rates would be increasing by 100 basis points, meaning they'd be going up by 1% by the end of the year. This did not happen. And so we have to understand, this is a gentleman that is paid for a living to predict these types of things and monitor these types of things, and he was 100% wrong. So it's, it's always been interesting for me. I, the good part about me is I just sit back and go, the best part, I'm the mortgage broker, and we're going to deal with whatever the rates are at that time. But the prediction part has become very hard. And again, people that are paid a big bucks for a living to do this have been wrong and wrong and wrong for the last couple of years. So it makes me and you guys like you think, okay, there is an unpredictable factor here. So we kind of just have to go on with what we see and what we know and use kind of certain certain ideas as to where we think they're going and definitely use that language that the Bank of Canada is giving us as far as what they're seeing down the road. But 100%, I mean, it's, it's such a tough game to predict. Uh, that's one of the things that I find some brokers get in trouble with because they will call shots and say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. When it doesn't happen, uh, you know, you have, you have to kind of be mindful of that and have other alternatives in mind. Yeah, good point. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And of course, I am your host, Todd C. Slater, and joining me is Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You know, we're discussing the market and interest rates. And one of the things, Dave, that uh, I do want to discuss with you is what should people be looking for? I mean, you know, we always talk about interest rates when it comes down to mortgages, but there's so much more to mortgages than just interest rates. You know, there's obviously fees that can be involved, paying for appraisals. You know, if you have to break a mortgage, if you want to, you know, pay extra, what should people be looking at? Because it's not just the interest rate. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you've got guys that are, are just selling interest rate and they might have great rates, but then you find out afterwards you have to pay appraisal fees and there's all these extra things you have to do. I mean, the truth is, you, you know, you always got to get a lot of options. Uh, you know, everyone has access, or at least we hope everyone has access to uh, online and they're, you know, the internet and they're able to kind of go out and shop. I think that's one of the great things of the internet is it's brought the consumer all these places into their home so they can go and look instead of going out on their own through the newspapers and whatnot. They're able to actually see this stuff in real time in front of them. But I think the, the key is to always speak to a mortgage broker, ask them all these questions up front. Uh, am I to pay the appraisal fee? Who's paying this? Who's paying that? Will you cover any of the penalty to break my mortgage? And in my opinion, if I'm the consumer, I'm contacting at least two or three different mortgage brokers. I'm sitting down having almost an interview with them. You know, it doesn't take long, five, ten minutes, trying to find out who pays this, who pays that, who pays that. And at that point, I'm then sitting down and looking at it over. Now, the truth is, we hope that at Butler Mortgage, you don't have to do that. You know, if I, my, my feeling is if you contact me, I'm going to give you a real-life perspective of everything. Uh, but at our company, of course, we cover every appraisal for all of our clients on refinances and purchases. We need them to know what their penalties are, so we make sure that they're contacting their existing lenders, 
finding out the penalties, and then of course we're able to then sometimes contact those lenders and negotiate the penalties down. Uh, but these are certainly important things that, you know, aside from interest rate, that you need to know. One of the things that we've found, obviously, in our industry is that it, it sounds very basic, but customer service. There are a lot of mortgage brokers that, you know, as the times are going on and the industry is becoming bigger, they are falling behind in their customer service. And this is super important because who wants to deal with someone who's got great rates and got this great package for you, but they treat you like crap? Or, so, or, or for the matter is that they can never reach you. And that, that's the kind of thing that people <laughs> have to be careful of. I'm just going to kind of summarize a couple of things here just so our listeners are aware. First and foremost, you know, most people will talk about interest rates and we know that there's some fluctuation in, and a little bit of negotiation that can be done on interest rates. Yeah. Um, you've got an offer in hand, you know, you currently own something, you got an offer in hand, you're buying something. I've always told people it's always good to show up to the lender with your offer in hand because they know you're serious. When you start trying to talk to people over the phone and negotiate rate, you know, they can't take you seriously because maybe they're just, you know, window shopping you. Yep. So if we have an offer in hand, that means you're serious. Also, with your offer, one thing I'm going to tell you is make sure you try to get your condition on financing long enough so that you're not kind of shortchanging your broker to be able to go out and find you the best fees. When we come back, I'd like you and I to complete this list for our listeners. So folks, if you want to break down how you're going to get a mortgage, stay with us. We'll be right back. More with Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So, what do you think? Do you have your pen and paper handy? We were talking earlier with Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage just before we went to the break. And the one thing that we're talking about now is a list that you need to check off when you're talking about getting a new mortgage. Dave, we were just talking about, you know, obviously interest rates, but before somebody's trying to shop interest rates, you know, it's always good to have that conversation with a mortgage broker, but you know, I'm sure you get a lot of tire kickers. So, you know, somebody's serious when they show up to you with a agreement of purchase and sale. Oh yeah. I mean, that's actually a big thing. And one of the things to touch on that point, Todd, is that a lot of lenders these days have what we call a real deal interest rate. And what that means is you've got your pre-approval interest rates, and then you've got a real deal interest rates. They're giving lower rates on the real deal. So when you apply for a pre-approval, you're getting pre-approval rates. When you have an actual deal in hand, you're actually able to get the lower real deal rates. That's become a huge thing in our industry in the last five, six years. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, you know, they want to turn around and whoever tells them over the phone that this is the rate, then you know, you know, there, there are those people that, you know, unscrupulously are out there trying to turn around and, and suck them in saying, oh yeah, we can do this. But then when they show up, there's a whole lot of hoops that people have to jump through. And there's a lot more to a mortgage as you and I talked earlier than just interest rates. So here's the thing. So we're looking at a real deal rate. And the best way to do it, of course, is having your agreement of purchase and sale. And again, I always encourage all buyers to always have a longer condition where possible. So at least a minimum of five banking days, but you know, seven or 10 is better. Again, competing offers makes that really tough if you're going into competition. But Dave, obviously as a broker for yourself, it's better if you have a little bit more time so you can go out to different facilities and get a better rate. Oh yeah, the longer the condition, the more time the broker has to shop the market without having to make any uh, quick movements. So any time that we a broker has more time, that's just giving 
a guy like me more 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 of my craft to be able to put in and make sure that you're getting the best deal out there. Now, of course, you can secure the deal within your five banking days, and then you, as a broker, can continue to shop it prior to closing. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so it's not it's not a steadfast. You know, this is the only one you're getting, and and most people are looking just for the secure commitment, saying, "Hey, listen, yes, you're approved. Yes, you confirm it up. Yes, you're we're going to close you no matter what." Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously having longer just allows you know the the broker that ability to try to find more di- more and different I- I- options. However, one of the things is imagine that first submission gets declined. Uh, that might take two or three days for the bro- for the broker to send the deal in, the lender to come back, to maybe the insurer, the lender have declined the deal. You want to be able to go to a different lender and a different insurer, so you want to have enough time to do so. So that's that's obviously a great benefit of having a longer condition, is you have more time to get different options for the client in terms of approval. Okay, so back to our checklist for a second. So the next thing, of course, is that if people, people should actually have done this prior to putting in an offer, but if they're going to be breaking an existing mortgage, so if they're not going to port it, bring it over from another, you know, from the same lender. So if they're going to be breaking a mortgage, depending on where they are in the life of the mortgage, they've got to look at some kind of penalty. And of course, normal penalty, depending on what interest rate that they have taken up, could be, you know, anywhere from three months worth of interest to even, you know, more. Is that correct? Yeah, there's basically a couple different forms of penalties. There's going to be three months interest. That's your standard penalty on any variable rate. So any closed variable rate, the maximum penalty is three months interest. If you're in a closed fixed rate, then it could be three months interest, but it could also be interest rate differential. This is the classic IRD penalty. So when you're hearing of maybe your friends and family talking about how they had a big $12,000 penalty, that was definitely an interest uh, an interest uh, differential penalty. And the reason that comes up is simply that the client may have had an interest rate of, let's say, 3.79 at the time. They're two years in. They're now breaking their mortgage, but the mortgage rates at the time are lower. The bank is now going to penalize and say, hey, we sold you the interest rate at X. The rates that are going out today are Y. Therefore, we're going to charge you the difference in rate over the course of the time that you have left in your term. That can get pretty hefty if you've got three years left on your term and the interest rates are very different. So it's so important for anyone that's selling a house and they have a current mortgage to contact their mortgage lender and find out what is my penalty. That is a legal uh, item that they have to give you. Uh, And this is very important because how can we sell our house and move forward with a new application if we don't truly know what we owe to the existing lender? Exactly. And I think think that that's one of those points that a lot of people forget or miss. You know, they they look at it and say, oh yeah, that's no problem. And if they're going to break the mortgage and they're going to move over to another lender, then potentially this is what they're going to suffer. Now, the other thing, of course, is that they can port and blend and bring their mortgage up. So if they're staying with their current lender and they're taking on more mortgage, so sometimes they'll port it. So they'll bring that, that mortgage over and they'll blend up the, uh, you know, yep. the amount. Sometimes they'll have to leave the, the uh, you know, let's say that 4% interest rate on Porsche, a portion of it, but they'll be able to get the lower rate on the other portion and they blend it together. Now, 100% correct, yeah. Now, now, so a few other things though, Dave, is that, you know, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about this, but there's a lot more to things. So, we, you know, we talk about appraisal fees and, and at Butler Mortgage, you don't charge appraisal fees, but there's a lot of lenders that when people come in, they ask for an appraisal fee. And appraisal fees typically will run between, I would believe, three and $500. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
just depends on the size of the home. Obviously, 300 kind of is your standard. I've seen duplexes, maybe 400, and then some of those big million-dollar homes, the appraisers could charge as much as 500. A lot of times, it depends on how much square feet. So now we have this cost that's going to be incurred. And this is, you know, again, if you have not negotiated it into your deal, then this is a cost out of your pocket. Now, also on top of that, if we take a look at it, some of the mortgages and some of the terms of the mortgages, and I would say that should we not always encourage people that are borrowing, you know, taking mortgages to actually read the mortgage documents? Because you know, so many people just kind of screen through it, and then they're shocked when it turns around and says you have no prepayment privileges. There has to obviously be a trust factor with who you're dealing with, but more importantly, I mean, this is the biggest purchase of our lives usually. So in my opinion, then it's going to also be the largest loan that we take in our lives. There's nothing on there that's going to blow anyone's mind. It's not written in a different kind of language. It is something that we can all read. And if there's a question about it, then you call your bank or your broker. Uh, we get questions all the time. We encourage our clients to read through the commitments. We certainly will go over the commitments with them. So there's, these, some of them can be very large. So we will go over certain important points to them. But we encourage them, read through it if you have any questions give us a call. There's nothing in that agreement that a client should be signing that they don't know about. That's just the truth. It's, it's, this to me is common sense, but certainly it's something that's not practiced all the time. So to your point, absolutely. I mean, nothing is on there that should be scary. So we should always bring it home, read through it. And if there's anything that we're questioning, that's what your broker's there for, for you to contact them, them to clear things up and answer those questions for you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know what? It's great that we've been able to provide our listeners with a bit of a list so they have a better understanding when they go to get a mortgage or if they're going to break a mortgage because it can be very expensive. So Dave, that's some great information. So if uh, any of our listeners want to uh, to reach you, how do they reach you? Best way to reach me is uh, by phone or email. They can reach our team at one 684 8326 or I'm really good on email, and it's dave.butler at butlermortgages.com. Thanks so much, Dave, for joining us, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Todd. So, folks, that was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Some great information when we're starting to wade through this year. You know what? What a what a week. You know, I keep I keep going back to this. It's been a real, real up and down, you know, effort on uh, on both the Bank of Canada, on the stock market, everything that's out there, you know, makes you kind of question why. You know, I'll always encourage people to go to investment real estate. It's uh, it was interesting as as the market was going through this turmoil this week, all I sat there was looking at my investment properties, knowing that the tenants are paying the mortgage every single month and pretty much just sitting back saying, Okay, well, you know what? We've got another 15 years and this property will be paid for. That's the benefit of investment real estate. You know, you don't go through the same market turns. Now, a lot of people are probably sitting there saying, hang on, Todd, but you know what? Market, real estate market can go down too. Yeah, but you don't sell real estate, folks. Um, you, don't, you don't sell investment real estate. You hang on to it. You ride it out because your tenant does not care what the value of your property is. They just know what rent to pay. And that's one of those interesting things. So, hey, listen, if you want to know more about investment real estate, you can always reach me at 905-812-2524 or at thesimpleinvestor.com. And I'm happy to talk to you about it. You know, I've had uh, a lot of our listeners joining us at the office, having a lot of conversations. And it's quite interesting when we get into some of these conversations about, you know, what people are doing you know, can you believe there's actually a lot of people out there that almost own their investment properties free and clear? They're young. They don't need the money right now. So I call it being under leveraged. If you want to know more about that, well, then you know what? Tune into me next week because I'm going to go in depth 
on investment properties and what you should be doing as far as leverage points. I'm never going to tell anybody to get into debt over their heads. There's never that chance. But what we should be focusing on is what your rate of return is for your dollar invested. And in investment real estate, if you plan it out properly, you just have this consistency. And that is what investment real estate should be for you. So remember to tune into me next week at 4 p.m. on Saturday, and I'm going to be giving a breakdown on investment real estate. But other than that, you know what? Like I said, been a great week. Uh, happy to be on a lot of the shows here at the station. Always happy to talk about real estate, having chats with you, our listeners, and talking all about this, having some great guests like Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage on with me. And of course, I always like to thank everybody here at the station that's part of Simply Real Estate. You know what? We always focus on making sure that we get you the most up-to-depth news on real estate. And again, Bank of Canada did not move. I know it sent a ripple through some of the markets, but it means that uh, right now we're not watching some pressure put on the bank. So interest rates are what they are, and that's not a problem because they are still very attractive. So I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.